You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast. The voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Inspiring women, bold vision, and powerful insights to help you use speaking to build a thriving business. This is Speaker Success Podcast, brought to you by Women Speakers Association. Now, for today's show. Welcome to another episode of Speaker Success Podcast. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Joining me on today's show is Nicole Lewis-Keeber. Nicole is a money mindset master with a background in therapy and life coaching, using a conversational, engaging, humor-infused approach to complex challenges. Nicole's talks and coaching programs guide business owners, coaches, and healers to reveal and release their underlying blocks and barriers to having a business they love and that loves them back. She guides her clients through targeted approaches so that they can master their mindset, heal their heart, as well as empower their future and make some damn money. And that was in the intro that she sent through to me. Nicole lives in Lancaster, Pennsylvania with her husband, Jason, and three fat, happy cats. Now on today's show, Nicole is going to share with us tips on ways that we can improve our money mindset. She's going to talk about some tools for having a healthy relationship with your business as well to how to partner with your inner critic. So welcome to the show, Nicole. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Money mindset and uh, the impact that the mindset that we have, particularly around money, is one of the biggest challenges and struggles I think uh, women can have in, in their business, no matter what level they're at, no matter what stage they're, that they're at. So I'm so glad that you're here to share uh, to share your insights because one of the things that I say, and I'm sure that you say as well to, to people, is we can have the best systems, we can have the best processes, we can have everything that we need in place but if we don't have the right mindset particularly around money we can still struggle to build a successful business yes it's so very true you know I work with clients at all levels in business people think that once you have money that it cures the problem and that's not always the case money doesn't fix a mindset issue Um, it it really doesn't and as you said we can have systems in place and we can have all the things Um, but if our mindset doesn't create you know that wrap around for all the systems to work that include us as part of it, um, then we're we're bound to struggle. And the statistics pretty much stay have stayed the same pretty um, consistently. That eighty percent of female owned and operated businesses closed in the first eighteen months of uh, wow. opening. Mm. And that is not because we don't know what we're doing. It is not because we don't have strategies. Um, what I see most is that they're bumping up against that mindset and that inner worth is impacting their outer wealth. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dive into some of the tips that you share that will help us to really improve our mindset around money. I think there's a couple of things that you can do right off the bat, and that is ask yourself, you know, what is my money story? Where did it come from? Um, We are uh, influenced and impacted by the experiences we have in life growing up, the people who surround us and what their language is. And um, we as a a community and a society are kind of uh, indoctrinated into a scarcity mindset, not Mm -hmm. enough time, not enough money, 
I've left love, you know, whatever that may be. And so we can begin to pick apart that story and say, is this really mine? Or is that just something I was told mm. is a, a really good first step to start off with and think about what is the language that my family used around money? What did yeah. they think about people who had money mm -hmm. or even around this entrepreneurial uh, journey? What do they say about people who, you know, kind of step out to do their own thing and not be an employee of someone else? So yes. looking at that, um, impact in those uh, that family messaging or that cultural messaging is super important when you first start to look at your money mindset. Yeah. Do you find, Nicole, that the self-awareness and really being clear on what were the money stories, what did I see, what did I hear growing up, that that is often something that people don't really recognize. And so having clarity around that gives them then, oh, an awareness that I can see that I'm repeating that pattern or maybe even I'm rebelling that, that that is the reason why it's such a good step because we don't even realize that we're actually limiting ourselves through what we say, hear and do. We really don't. It's so unconscious and it's so ingrained. There's a lot of things in life that we just do because everyone else is or we think or feel because it's the norm around us. And when you start a business, it is a personal dive into person. Uh, it is like a deep dive into personal development whether you like it or not. And so mm. this is one of the very first places that you need to begin to challenge those beliefs that you grew up with about um, money and its availability to you. And it's just so um, a part of our uh, narrative that we don't really challenge it until mm. we need to. Yeah. And having a business makes you need to and oh. want to do that. I mean, it shows up in, in so many aspects. Like if, if, if we reach out to someone, an organizer who says, yes, we'd love to, to have you speak, how much do you charge? Well, like that's going to open up a whole can of worms depending on what our money mindset is. So if we recognize, okay, I can hear and, and recall always hearing that money is hard to get. You have to work hard for your money and, and some real beliefs that you can see are keeping you stuck. What are then some things that we can do, some tips, if you will, to help us start to change that? Because if we've grown up with that and that's part of who we are, it's going to take a little bit of time, I would imagine, to change, yes? It really does. So the, so the next thing that you can really do is begin to pay attention to what your own language is and your mm -hmm. own behaviors around money. I always say, when in doubt, check it out. Mm -hmm. So if you're telling yourself, I can't afford something, that's not always true. Mm -hmm. And so I have um, people really look at their language. It's, there's a very different energy between saying, I can't afford something than to say, you know, I'm not going to spend my money on that right now. Mm. Hugely different energy. So, and a lot of times when we say we can't have something, can't afford it, it's really not true. It's just a story we're kind of are telling ourselves. So I say, when in doubt, check it out and pay attention to how you talk about money and mm. what your behavior around money is, because you will default to those scarcity places pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And when you can be very clear about what your new story is, that's one of abundance. That's one of being open and available and really knowing your numbers. You can't mm -hmm. grow what you don't know. Mm -hmm. Right. So paying attention to your numbers and thinking about your money in a new way, you start to build that new story and the old story kind of slips away, you know, and, uh, it becomes much easier for us. Yes. And I think from what you're saying is once we have more awareness, then we can, for the mindset, definitely start to change the language because that in itself will, will empower us, certainly. And then looking, there may be some, some certain gaps, i.e. not really monitoring and not being more accountable for the way that we manage money. Because I think once we start to, to recognize that, start to implement some of those key strategies and techniques and monitoring 
offering things, then we can start to see things grow, can't we? And we can see little shifts. Whereas if we're not monitoring those, the changes that we are making, we can't see the impact and the differences that that is happening so that we can't can then continue to build momentum through seeing that, seeing that through. Is that something else that you find that we often do? We don't monitor, we don't track, and therefore we, we miss all of those opportunities. We miss all of those opportunities for really embracing and honoring the money we have now mm. and having gratitude for it. We miss the opportunity to put a strategy in place that can help us grow something if we ignore our money. Mm. Um, but I have to say to you that ignoring and hiding from those uh, numbers and those dollar signs is a huge problem that I see within the clients I work with initially mm -hmm. is that they put the blinders on, they avoid, and then they feel victimized by the by the fact that they don't, things are working out in their way. And if they mm -hmm. feel, um, they project kind of a victim mentality around their money because they put themselves in combat with it. And mm -hmm. really, you know, when you can um, begin to notice this about, you know, how you're operating in your business and within your money, you can begin to change that. Yes. Um, but it, it does. Blinders are a big thing. Denial is huge. Yeah, and it uh, is. that's a, a a big one. That we need uh, to fix. To speak a little bit about um, you know when, once we have that awareness, we we don't often realise that we can block the opportunities to come in. And I'll share an example. My daughter's mm -hmm. got a very successful business, and she has done all of the right things, had mentors along the way. But some of her, and she's in a personal training and nutrition business. But some of her clients have moved on because they've come to the end of the program, and she was kind of going, "Oh, mom, I you know need to get some more clients." I said, "Just calm down. So just continue to do what you what you've always done." and as soon as she changed that the same day she says mom I had two new clients sign up one of them is a VIP that had been circling around her you know monitoring the the feedback and the posts on Facebook that she'd been sharing yet so often it's that that scarcity that you said mindset that panic almost that blocks opportunities speak a bit more about this because this is really powerful stuff it really is. So when you think about it from an energetic standpoint mm -hmm. and an attention standpoint, if we are spinning our wheels thinking about what we don't have, we don't create space for what's possible. Mm -hmm. um, and we only have a, so much attention and energy per day. Uh, almost like we only have an inf you know, very finite amount of willpower every day to focus on things. And um, when we make the choice to get in fear and anxiety about our money, about what's happening next, we mm -hmm. literally energetically block what is right here mm. because we we've um you know limited our 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 line of sight basically for mm. what is possible for us yes um and we are so prone to react with fear anxiety and we withdraw rather than expand and, and we've been taught to do that and that's okay mm. but you can change that and when you learn how to change that everything moves from a challenge to an opportunity in ways that are beautiful to help you build, build your business and attract more money. Yeah, absolutely. And as many of us know, I mean, we are doing uh, marketing, we're getting out there and speaking, we're doing as much as we can to really build influence, get our message out there to build businesses. But if we are struggling with our mindset and all the things that we've spoken about today, that's going to be really difficult as we start to put, to progress. So let's talk about how how we really can start to have a healthy relationship with our business because if we don't it, it's going to feel like really really hard work it, it really will if we're continuously battling and having a, a scarcity mindset what tools can you share with us today 
Oh my goodness. So um, just, you know, to get a little, little bit of background on this, you know, when I started working with clients around money mindset, um, you know, I was a therapist for 18 years, so I kind of can't help myself when I see where there is something else kind of <laughs> hanging out. Mm-hmm. And what I began to see is that we weren't talking about money anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, we were actually talking about, you know, uh, um, you know, traumatic events that, that have come up in our, our history and how they impact the way that we set up our business. Um, and what I realized in working with my clients in my own life as an entrepreneur is that I had set myself up in my business to be disempowered. And I didn't realize I had done this. And so I began to see my clients were doing this too. Hmm. And um, I truly believe that when you start a business, you enter into a relationship. It's not you, you are not your business. Hmm. You are relating to it. And if you don't look at it that way, or at least have that line of sight or clarity, you're very, we are very prone to recreate patterns of behavior in relationships we've had, whether mm-hmm. they be parents, siblings, whatever, um, in our business. And so we end up waking up in the morning and saying, oh, I don't think I can do it today because they need too much or it's too hard. Mm-hmm. And we have actually, we're the ones who set up our business in that way. Um, it's my business. Mm-hmm. I decide who, I decide when, I decide how. And so um, I began to see this pattern of disempowerment mm-hmm. around the way that they were having a, a relationship with their business. And so mm-hmm. we began to look at key places that they be- could begin to set boundaries, how they could take themselves out of their business so that they could relate and feel that they were partnering with it mm-hmm. um, rather than feeling like a victim yes, to yes. the proverbial they. You yeah, know? yeah. So when you look back then and, and some of the things that you see uh, from the clients, the typical things that they didn't have in place or the way that they approached their business was causing them to almost really start to fall out of love with their business because often we start a business because we're passionate about something, we've got a message, we want to impact the world. What are some of the common things that you see that we can share today so so that we can start to be mindful? Is this happening in my business? Am I actually subconsciously blocking these opportunities because something else is not really right here and I, I really need to make peace with it? What are some of the common things you see? Right. So it does create blocks and blind spots. So, you know, I love my business. I want to feel loved by my business, you mm-hmm. know, too. So it's a two-way street. So how do you set that up? Um, the very first thing you need to do is be really honest with yourself and kind of do um, an inventory of the relationships you've had in your life mm-hmm. to see, you know, what role you played in them and how you felt in them. Because we're really, uh, we can really quickly recreate those relationship dynamics mm-hmm. in our our business. Um, it's not uncommon for a client of mine to say, hey, Nicole, I can't believe this, but my business is my demanding father that I can do nothing right for, um, no matter what I do. Yeah. Um, so we, what we do is begin to look at who is your business? Is it you know supportive and loving or is it demanding and demeaning? Mm. And if it's demanding and demeaning, where have I seen that before in my life? And begin to kind of pick about those pieces to put yourself back in the driver's seat and the you know to be empowered in your business because you get to say who and how. Yeah. Um, and some of the areas that that shows up for are time. Um, you know, so many people 
decide to uh, set hours in their business that they didn't like having before as employees, yet for some reason they just default to working, you know, those nine to five or mm. 80 hour weeks that they were trying to get away from, you know, from, from leaving corporate or wherever they were. Um, and so they set up the same routine in place. Um, they don't have boundaries in place for their family to say, hey, I'm building this business. These are the hours I'm going to need some time to myself. I need a workspace where I can just, you know, uh, get in and have some time to really focus. Um, I can't tell you how many women I work with who are running their business or their company from the corner of their kitchen table in a broken chair. Mm. They would not accept that from an employer. Yet they're doing that to themselves in the, in the way that they're setting up their business. Mm. So your time, your space, your relationship with your money, what you charge, are you giving things away? Are you undercharging? Are you saying yes to opportunities and speaking for free mm -hmm. uh, when you know that you can, um, you know, when you can charge for it? These are the ways that we don't set up boundaries in our business that put us in that place of feeling, um, uh, overwhelmed and yes. burnt out really yeah. quickly yeah absolutely and again as we said once you understand that once you can see that that's happening then you can take a step back and then ask yourself all right what do I need to put in place what boundary has been um, you know leaky what what sort of things do I really need to, to strengthen and start working on those areas let's talk about our inner critic our inner critic can be our worst enemy can keep us stuck can have us playing small can have us saying no so how do we partner with that inner critic right so I believe that our this is my belief is that our inner critic is um, a partner rather than um, a villain mm. so you know when you think about just the very biology of us as human beings uh, you know, doing something different, standing out, separating from the group. When you think about it, um, many, many years ago could, uh, could get you killed. I mean, to be a little dramatic here. So we're wired to comply. Um, we're wired to do things the way other people are you know, do them, to not stand out and to not do something different. So when you become an entrepreneur, you write a book, you're a speaker, and you're going against the grain, what happens is that inner critic starts kicking in saying, what are you doing? You're not qualified for this. Who's going to listen to you? And my, my belief and understanding about that voice is it's really just trying to get you back on track and keep you safe. And so for so many years as a clinician and as a coach, I've seen people to tell, I've seen people telling their clients to shut that voice up um, or to ignore it or to try and quiet it. When I believe that if we partner with it, that it can, it can really uh, empower us in a different way. And so what I mean by that is the more you try and shut down that inner critic, the louder it's going to get. Mm -hmm. It's just going to get more fodder. It's going to find another place to sneak in. So taking a breath and just saying, okay, what do you need? What's going on? Mm. And it will tell you, it'll say, you know, this feels gross or this doesn't feel safe mm -hmm. or, um, I'm afraid we're going to be made fun of. It'll give you feedback and then you can soothe it and calm it and it'll, it'll, uh, quiet down, mm. but in a way that's empowering and partnering rather than smushing it, you know, yes, yes. <laughs> and trying to, uh, you know, beat it up a bit. Yeah. Cause I think what you're saying through that, and, and it's such a great reminder that sometimes the inner critic, 
um, is also our intuition that there is something that needs to be done, something needs mm -hmm. to be looked at, something that needs to be addressed. And as you say, by sweeping it under the carpet, by squishing it, by not addressing it, there's no opportunity for learning. There's no opportunity for development. And there may be certain areas that we know that we can improve in, that we do need to, to get some more support, some more mentoring. So as you say, once you start looking at it that way, you can build momentum and then address whatever comes up for you. Is that what, you're, what you find with clients once they start to, to do that? I do. And, you know, I, I'm, I use humor and levity. And so mm. I say, you know, partner with your peeps. And so mm. there's different peeps we have in our, you know, our consciousness. You know, we have our inner kid, um, inner kiddo. We have our rebellious teenager. We have mm. our inner mentor, our wise one. Um, and so I teach my clients to partner with those parts of ourselves mm. because they have so much wisdom and they have answers for us. So if you need to get on stage and, you know, be fierce and, um, really show up in your power. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I tell them to channel their, you know, their rebellious teenager, the one that just really wants that attention and wants to stand for something. Mm. So there's ways to really kind of partner with your peeps in those ways um, that are that intuition, that are those spiritual parts of yourself. Mm. Um, and so when we are, when we try and shut those down, we're not embodied and we're not, you know, our full self and it's harder to stand up in our um in our truth when yes. we do that so and that's why i tell them to partner with them rather than quiet them yeah and you know if we someone's listening today that they can see that their inner critic is really not supportive at all is it okay then to have the conversation to actually say to your inner critic you know what uh, i hear what you're saying but you know what that's not true at all you know having conversations like that because we may have an excuse this term we may have an inner troll someone who really is not helpful at all you know oh for sure for sure um and usually that's you know just a part of ourselves that's trying to scare us into not doing something mm. because again it's it's patrol is to keep us safe and so it'll yeah. do whatever it needs to do in order mm. to do that including mm. take on a troll form yeah. but you know again it's back to that when in doubt check it out is this true that i don't have the credentials to stand on the stage and speak mm. no that's not true i'm absolutely qualified i'm passionate about what i speak about so you know that whole when in doubt check it out thing mm. is really important when it comes down to that story that it might be telling you. And sometimes you can just give it a job and say, you know, go over there and do that instead, or mm. uh, be on the lookout for people who, um, you know, might not be in our camp, <laughs> like make it a, a century for you. So, yeah, absolutely. Sure. And I think if we go full circle and we're talking about our inner critic, sometimes too, we can recognize that um, some of the things that it is saying to us and, and constantly reminding us of, does really reflect some of those mindsets and beliefs that we learned from a young child, what we saw and what we heard, and, and that can allow us to then go back and address some of those things as well. Do you find that too, that our inner critic is, is also being fueled by our mindset and money, around money? Oh, absolutely. Mm. Um, you know, there's so many messages, there's so much language about money, you know, that you know, we have all these sayings about it and mm -hmm. um, most of them we pick up when we're kids and whatever decade you grew up in also informs what people think about money. I grew up in the 80s, so everybody for me who had money was like Dallas and mm -hmm. Dynasty and, you know, <laughs> not nice people. And so we kind of take that on board. Mm -hmm. um, but anytime that we can look at where, you know, those, those beliefs came from and they usually do have some kind of 
connection to you know how we grew up we can challenge them mm -hmm. um, and I always say that you can usually find the source of your inner critic through some experience maybe it was a teacher maybe it was somebody who wasn't nice to you on the bus our inner critic gets birthed somewhere mm -hmm. you know there's an origin of it and usually we can determine whose voice that is and then we can rechristen it into mm -hmm. more a more powerful and affirming voice in a lot of ways yes so going through and, and and identifying okay so who is this voice where did i hear that for some of us that's quite difficult to do so do you recommend that you spend a little bit of time in, in questioning like you know what's going on here are there specific questions that you know work really well in getting to the crux of where that particular voice was created the event and so on right so when you feel the inner critic popping up again asking yourself is this true mm. um you know is this really my story mm. and is this helping me or is this harming me mm. And then asking yourself, you know, does this language sound familiar? Does this sound like my second grade teacher who told me that I couldn't read well or whatever, you know, whatever that may be. Um, when you can ask yourself those questions and journal on it, you know, people always roll their eyes at me when I tell them to journal, but there's something powerful about connecting, you know, pen to paper with your, you know, brain when you're asking yourself these questions that really gives you the answers really quickly mm -hmm. and um, then you can um, take the power away from that person who created that language for that critic yeah absolutely and i think again asking the questions and allowing yourself just to, to flow because sometimes what we've got to do is get beneath the layers the layers the layers because often what we do is we just like we're suppressing the inner critic, we put layers mm -hmm. upon layers upon layers to hide that mindset, to, to ignore it or, or whatever, that we just have to unpack that. Because I think what's really powerful is if we can go back to that initial event and do some changes around that as an adult, because we've got now far more resources available to us and far more experiences where we can actually prove what has happened to be untrue, depending on the choice that we make then that allows us to to change and reframe if you will that event that caused us to to bring that belief with us yes mm -hmm. yeah so very true and there's a lot of techniques that you know that i use and other people do mm -hmm. you know like mind body techniques like eft and matrix re-imprinting and mm -hmm. you know childhood um you, you know of inner uh, child work uh, mm -hmm. that you can do that but really honestly just thinking back and finding the origin yourself and beginning to question it and asking yourself is that still true now mm -hmm. you know or was that ever really true um, and inserting yourself as an adult back into that story to just kind of empower that you at that age uh, to say you know what we're actually okay we did we did mm -hmm. pretty well we're okay, so let's just let that go. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of things that you can do, um, you know, around that. And again, it pertains to money mm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so much of who and how we are in the world around money was created in those early experiences and yeah. you can have financial trauma. Mm. Um, so there's a lot that happens around money. You know, yeah. I, I grew up as a, um, I, I became a social worker. I believed that money wasn't important and that, 
I, you know, I took a pop, vow poverty by come, becoming a social worker. I never realized that all the messaging that I had, you know, growing up really lended itself to the choices and profession that I made yes. as an adult until I knew better. Right? Yeah, absolutely. When you realize that you actually need money to pay for food and electricity and all of that stuff. Money's yeah, great. Yes. <laughs> I love money. Yeah, that's right. And you know what? One of the things that I learned over the years around money too is the more abundant and prosperous we are, the more we can give back to what I call kingdom, um, you know, kingdom um, projects and things like that, but back to the community and far more choices. And, and I, I, mindset that I learned, and, and you probably say this to your clients too, money is just an object. It doesn't change us. It actually um, brings out more of who we are. So if we're a naturally giving, loving, caring, nurturing person, that's the approach that we can take you know, that attitude mm. towards uh, money. We could just keep talking about this because it could be a oh, yeah. whole season of episodes uh, around really this. We really have just scratched the surface. But I think it's really helpful for people to realise, even, if, you know, if they've been in business for a while but they just can't get over that next six-figure uh, income bracket, there may be most possibly a mindset there that can be changed so that you can shift through that paradigm and, and move to, to the next. How can people get more information from you, connect with you? What's the best way? She had the best way for people to reach me is to go to my website, which is nicole.lewis-keeber.com. And uh, you can reach out to me there. I have a you know way to contact me. Um, there is a money mindset type guide that you can mm -hmm. find there as well to kind of pick through the money mindsets I see most within my business and see where you might land um, and what some of, or some of the things that you might want to work on around that to help you up-level yourself, up-level your money, and uh, you know attract more abundance into your life. Fantastic. And, of course, we'll put the, the link there to connect with Nicole on the show notes, but certainly reach out and uh, do that after the show. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Nicole. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Speaker Success Podcast, brought to you by Women Speakers Association. If you're ready to share your message in a bigger way so you can build a thriving business, get your free Speaker Success Plan at SpeakerSuccessGift.com. 